Bible in front of you and grab one of the church Bibles. Please turn back uh, to that portion of scripture we read just a couple of moments ago. Romans chapter 1. And please have an eye on verse 4. So over the last um, couple of weeks as a congregation, we have been considering together what is so special about Easter. That's the sort of the question that has dominated our thoughts for the last couple of weeks. What's so special about Easter? And we've seen a number of things. We saw the sort of build up to Easter. We looked at Gethsemane and the events there. Then we moved on and we thought about the significance of the events of the cross of Christ Jesus. Now today, we move on again. And we come to what is surely the pinnacle of the Easter story. Today we consider the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you know as well as I do that there are a whole host of different ways that we could approach the resurrection. A whole whole vast array of different ways that we could think about it. But for today's purposes... Let's just simply consider why. Why was Jesus raised from the dead? Why was Jesus raised from the dead? So look at, let's look at this, this text. Let's look at this one verse, Romans 1 verse 4, and let's consider a few details about it, about this first. So why was Jesus raised from the dead? Okay, let's think firstly, our first point this morning. Let's consider the fact that the resurrection was a declaration. The resurrection was a declaration. Okay, so... What Paul's doing at the beginning of this letter that he writes to the church in Rome, what he's doing is really setting out some of the basics. He's setting out some of the foundation stones of uh, the gospel. He tells us, first of all, where the gospel came from. He tells us that it is the gospel of God. And then he tells us who the gospel concerns. It is the gospel concerning his son, Jesus Christ. And then we get to... Our verse, if you like, verse 4. And Paul tells us there that by raising Jesus Christ to life, that God is proclaiming something to the world. That by raising Jesus Christ, that God is announcing something of great and fundamental importance to the world. So, of course, we've got to ask, don't we? What was that? What was it that God declares by raising Jesus Christ? What was it that God announced in raising Jesus? Well, let's 
Think about that. Let's think about a couple of answers to that. The first thing, number one, the resurrection declared that Jesus was more than just a man. The resurrection declared that Jesus was more than just a man. Now, I've just said that uh, we this morning are going to be looking at one verse, okay? Verse 4. So now you're going to think that I am a liar because the next thing that I'm going to say is that uh, to understand verse 4, we've really got to see it in light of verse 3. Now, I assure you, I am not lying. It's just that verse 3 and verse 4, they belong together. They sit together. They work in parallel with each other. See, in verse 3, what what Paul does is he makes certain claims, certain statements about Jesus Christ in verse 3. And then in verse 4, he contrasts those statements. So what does he say in verse 3? Well, Paul tells us, verse 3, Jesus was a man. He tells us that he was a man, that he was a descendant of David, that he was a man, that he had a human nature. But then in verse 4, when we get into verse 4, we see the crucial contrast with that and we see the reason why God raised Jesus to life. God raised him to announce to you and I He raised him to announce to the world that Jesus was not just a man, that he was divine, that he was the Son of God. You see, friends, the Easter story, it kicks into touch a whole host of wrong ideas about Jesus Christ. It kicks them into touch. It destroys them. By raising Jesus to life, God dismisses a whole heap of ideas about Jesus Christ. For example, he dismisses the idea that Jesus was just some sort of, you know, revolutionary figure. The resurrection, it dismisses the idea that Jesus was some sort of kind of You know, an anti-hero type guy, a sort of social radical who was just desperate to rebel against the sort of Roman authorities in the Jewish establishment. Easter destroys that idea. You see, God raised Jesus to life. This was a declaration that Jesus Christ was more than a social radical. This is a declaration that Jesus Christ is God. And the second answer here, and this again is, this is crucial. The resurrection declared something that was always true. The resurrection declared something that was always true. Now, that sounds a bit cryptic, I grant you. What does it mean? Well, in our NIVs, 
verse 3, it says that Jesus was a descendant of God. A descendant of David, rather. But that word, the word was, it could also be uh, translated, it could be translated that Jesus became a descendant of David. So the idea is that, that Jesus became a man. But then verse 4, it contrasts it. It doesn't say that Jesus became the Son of God, does it? It says that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God. See, folks, believe it or not, it is remarkable, but it is true. There's some, some people think that, and it is a more common view than you might believe, some people think that because Jesus Christ lived a, a, a perfect life, a flawless life while on earth, some people believe that at this point, that at the resurrection, God somehow appointed Jesus to be divine. That somehow at the resurrection that God made Jesus divine. Now that is preposterous, isn't it? That is a ludicrous idea. It is unbiblical. Because you see, the resurrection is not the announcement. It's not a proclamation of something that is new. It's a declaration. It's a proclamation of something that always was. Jesus always was the Son of God. Okay, let me illustrate what I mean. Now think about, if you will, how um, disputed works of art are authenticated. You know, if I... A picture um, is potentially the work of, let's say, Picasso uh, or Rembrandt or somebody like that. If, if the picture is potentially the work of a great artist, then that work will be handed over to an expert in the field, won't it? And then that expert, what will they do? Well, they will examine it. They will find out if it is genuine and authentic. And then, if it is, that expert will most probably call a press conference, won't they? And they will publicly announce, they will publicly verify the picture's authenticity. And you see, that, that is what is happening in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a public proclamation of something that was always true. You know, just as that painting was always the work of a famous artist, but is only now publicly proclaimed as such, so Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was always the Son of God, but it is only now. It is only at the resurrection, that the Lord God fully announces that, that he fully proclaims the identity of Jesus to the world. You see, friends, people love to give their um, opinions about 
uh, religion, don't they? People love to talk about religion. They love to talk about Christianity. For some reason, famous people love to do it an awful lot. Celebrities love to have their, their money's worth when it comes to the identity of Jesus Christ. And I was reading about this uh, this past week. Thomas Jefferson, the former American president, he said that Jesus' life was a mystical fable. Okay, that's Thomas Jefferson. The Dalai Lama, he said that Jesus was a type of enlightened Buddhist. Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt got in on the act as well. He said that God, he said that Jesus was an egomaniac. And we go from Brad Pitt to Friedrich Nietzsche. Not sure that happens an awful lot, but Nietzsche said that Jesus' life was a holy myth. A holy myth. Well, friend, surely what matters Surely what matters is not what famous people think. What matters is not what actors think or what philosophers think. It's not even what American presidents think. What matters is what the Lord God of heaven and earth has told us. And through the resurrection by way of raising Jesus to life God has publicly announced he has declared that Jesus Christ is Lord now what do you think about that what do you think this morning you see what you think actually matters Because the resurrection is a declaration from God to the world. The resurrection is a declaration from God to you about the identity of Jesus Christ. So this morning, this Easter morning, where do you stand? Are you someone who is rejoicing in the fact that 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 tomb is empty? Do you rejoice? Because of that, I hope you do. Is this risen saviour that we're considering today, is he your risen saviour? Do you rejoice? Friends, this raising to life, it was a miracle. It was a wonder. And it was also a declaration from God. A declaration from God. Now, I read this week um, an article in the Guardian newspaper. And in this article, um, the author, the journalist, he was complaining about churches like ours. He was having a real go at churches like ours. His, His main complaint, I think, it boiled down to the fact that because in evangelical churches, because we... Talk about the need for a personal, saving relationship with Jesus Christ. He complained that this makes Jesus out to be feeble. He complained that 
a Jesus that needs a personal relationship, a, a, a Jesus that desires a personal relationship, well, that Jesus, in his eyes, is pathetic and weak. And he said that this is particularly noticeable at Easter time. At Easter, Christianity fails because of the cross. Christianity fails because our Savior is too weak. So let's think about that. Let's think about a second thing this morning. And that is that the resurrection marked a transition to power. Do we all have that? The resurrection marked a transition, a shift, if you like, a change to power, to power. Right, there's a problem that we have to address. There's a problem with the text that we have here. So, if your Bibles are open, have an eye on verse 4 again. And the problem surrounds the word power that we've got here. Now, that word, it could refer to the declaration that God makes, couldn't it? It could, as is the case in the NIV, it could mean that the resurrection was a powerful announcement. So it could mean that, a powerful announcement. But that isn't what it says in the Greek. And if you look at the footnote at the bottom of your page, you probably get a a better sense of the original and what Paul, Paul actually wrote. Because essentially what Paul wrote was this. He wrote that the resurrection was a declaration that Jesus was the Son of God with power. Now, I grant you that's kind of technical, but do you see the difference in what we're talking about? It is not a powerful declaration it is a declaration of the power of Jesus the power of the Son of God and that is an important distinction but what does it tell us well again we're back to this idea of of parallels parallels between verse 3 and verse 4 Because in verse 3, Paul essentially tells us of the weakness of Jesus' humanity. Paul talks about the weakness of Jesus' earthly ministry. And then he contrasts that. The weakness is contrasted with the power, the power of Jesus' resurrected state. Friends, essentially it boils down to this. At the resurrection... There was a shift. There was a transition. A transition from frailty to strength. There was a transition from weakness to to infinite power. Now, friends, consider, if you will, just for a moment, the weakness of Jesus' humanity. Consider that weakness. 
Consider the fact that when Jesus was on earth, that he, he put to the side his power. While he was amongst us, he drew a veil over his strength and his might. He hid, he concealed his true glory. Now, let's have an illustration of that. Let's think about an illustration of that veiling of his power. And let's go back to the world of celebrity, celebrity culture, the world of famous people. <clears throat> you see, sometimes famous people, celebrities, they travel incognito, don't they? And I was reading about um, Angelina Jolie this week. And she often uh, travels under a pseudonym. Angelina Jolie travels under a false name. You know, she cuts about the world with big sunglasses on and a big hat. She travels, essentially, in disguise. And folks, that's very, very similar to what we're talking about here. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, he traveled almost incognito. He traveled in a disguise of weakness. He veiled or he hid the power, the power and the might and the strength that he had. But folks, at the resurrection, all that was changed. You see, at the resurrection, there was a transition. You know, if you like, the glasses and the, and the hat, they came off. And at the resurrection, the the true power of Jesus Christ was revealed. No longer was he seen in frailty. No longer was he weak. That guardian article, it is rubbish. It is absolutely nonsense. Jesus Christ is risen. He sits at the right hand of his Father and all authority in heaven and on earth is his. He is the son of God with power. My friend, do you believe that? Do you? As you sit here in this church this morning on Easter Sunday, do you believe in the power of Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he is the power to change your circumstances, to take you out of the troubles that you are in? Do you believe that Jesus Christ can guide you through your life? Do you believe that he can convert the people in your life? Do you believe in his power? This is Easter Sunday, isn't it? This is the day that we celebrate the victory of the power of Jesus over sin, over Satan, and over death. Friends, believe In that power. Because I tell you this. This God. Is an awesome God. This God. Is an awesome God. Of power. A God of power. Now. Many years ago. I I accepted an invitation. To preach in a church. And the church was. A couple of miles north of Edinburgh in Scotland. And it was in the middle of winter. And if you've been north, anywhere north of Edinburgh in the middle of winter, you know that I faced a few obstacles to get to church. There was snow on the roads 
and it was an absolute nightmare. But I got to church just in the nick of time. And I went into the church building and there was nobody there. There was not a soul at church. And I waited around and I waited around and it got to 11 o'clock in the morning and still nobody at church. And I went up to the pulpit and I stood there and there was still nobody there. And about maybe five past ten past eleven, eventually the door opened and in came my friend who went to this church. And I tell you, I was delighted to see this man. I gave him the warmest welcome that I've given anyone. I was delighted that there was just going to be one person who had managed to get through all the snow and come to church. And he sat down in front of me and I was delighted to see him. And then the doors opened again and a family came in. They had battled the snow. They had got to church. And then the doors opened again. And another family. And another family. And then a, an elderly couple. And more people. And soon I stood at the pulpit. And I looked out. And the church was nearly full. You see, my friend, he was the first of many. He was the first of many. And friends, as we draw to a close today, let's think of our third thing. And that is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it was the first in a sequence. It was the first in a sequence. You see, you know, this morning, what what we've done is we've kind of sequentially worked through this verse, haven't we? Verse 4. And then we come to an expression here. The last expression that we're looking at that looks kind of fairly straightforward. It's the expression, his resurrection from the dead. So it says, declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. Now that seems fairly straightforward, doesn't it? But it's not quite as straightforward as it seems. Because you see, one of the words in that expression is in the plural. It's a plural word. So literally, this is what Paul writes to Rome. You ready for this? He writes, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power by his, ready for it? By his resurrection from among dead persons. His resurrection from among dead persons. Now, why? Why did Paul write that? Why did Paul put that word in the plural? Well, what Paul's doing is he's using language there that yet clearly is language that refers primarily to Jesus Christ. But he's also using language here that includes the people of God. See, what he's saying is that Jesus Christ's resurrection was the first in a sequence. That it was the first of many. And this is not the only time that Paul tells us that. He does so time and time again throughout Scripture. He says in Acts 26, he says this, that Jesus was the first to rise. 
Then he says in Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, he says that Jesus Christ was the firstborn. The firstborn from among the dead. Time after time, Paul tells us that Jesus Christ was the first, the first to rise. And folks, this morning, if you're a regular in these services, does it not feel like today is the peak or the apex? Does it not feel like we've come to the climax of a, of a crescendo? You see, over the last few months, we have looked over and over again at our coming resurrection. We've looked time and time again at the fact that we, as the people of God, are going to be raised to life. You know, we've seen that so often. We saw it in 1 Corinthians 5, 17, didn't we? Remember that? We are new creations. We've got a new home coming to us. We saw it when we considered Jesus' power in raising Lazarus to death, from death to life. We saw it last week even when we saw at the cross the raising of the holy ones to life. And again today, this morning, we're gathered like this on Easter Sunday. We've got that empty tomb before us. And again, we're confronted with the fact that Jesus Christ was raised. That this was the first from among dead persons. Friends, we're confronted with the fact that this resurrection, it was a declaration of our very salvation. It's a declaration of the salvation of the people of God. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't it? And friends, as we end, please know this one thing as we end, as we bring it all to a conclusion. Know this, that if you are a Christian, then there will be a time For you will not have to worry about your lack of health. If you're a Christian, there will be a time where you do not have to worry about your lack of energy. There will be a time where you don't have to worry about pain. Where you don't have to worry about grief. Where you do not have to worry about death. Because there is a time when the first fruit will usher in the most incredible and bountiful harvest. A harvest of people. A harvest of people bound for eternal life. You see, friend, through the power, that power of God, this morning our Savior is risen. And he is ascended to heaven. And guess what? If you're a Christian, one day you are going to follow him home. This Easter Sunday, let us praise God and let us praise God.